0: Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. This is Fundamentally Mormon. Today we're going to be reading Chapter 9 of The Mysteries of Creation. The title of the chapter is The Only Begotten, and we will be starting on page 90 for those of you who are reading along. In the description of this podcast, I will provide a link for... Uh, where you can go read this chapter and then also a link to where you can find the book to read it in whole and also other books of restoration theology. We'll start with a prayer of dedication and then we'll get right into the reading. O oh God, the Eternal Father, We come to Thee in the name of Thy Son, Jesus Christ. We ask Thee, Father, to forgive us of our sins and our transgressions, that we might have Thy Spirit to be with us more fully, that we may be directed in correct paths, that we may learn knowledge and truth and have a confirmation of truth by the holy spirit we love thee father we thank thee for all that thou has provided for us we thank thee for the atonement of thy son jesus christ and all that he has done to help us to come back into thy presence father we desire to be tools in thine hand to bring forth zion's redemption in thy kingdom on the earth as it is in heaven, that as we establish Zion below, that we shall look up and see Zion come down from above with the church of the firstborn, that we may be part of Adam and i and the establishment of Zion upon the earth. We thank Thee, Father, for all of our many blessings, for directing us in our paths. We thank Thee, Father, for the technology that we are utilizing today to do this worldwide gospel study program. I thank Thee, Father, for putting it in my heart to keep on going, even though there are many times when I feel like not Pressing forward, I thank the Father for the opportunity to have this home that you have given me in the nice, quiet country and for the ability to get out of bed early in the morning so that I can record these programs. I ask the Father to help people who are thy children, who are ready for further light and knowledge to find this program and these teachings, that they may know of thee and thy ways more fully and be corrected in the paths of false doctrine, that they may know truth, that they may have a correct understanding of thy character and who who you are. I thank thee, Father, that thou hast made me a witness of thee and thy Son, that I have had the opportunity to stand with you to be a witness of your physical body. I thank thee, Father, for all that thou has taught me throughout the years, either through inspiration, revelation, or vision and dreams, that you have taken the time to show me many things that I might understand and that I might pass that understanding on to others. I thank thee, Father, that you have unloosed my tongue and told me to be bold in my witness and to teach the people that we all might be set back in order, that we might again see thy face and know that you are, that we might see, may see the sun, that we may be taught by thee directly through thy spirit. We love thee, Father, and we say these things in the name of our Messiah, Jesus Christ. Amen. Chapter 9 of Mysteries of Creation, page 90, The Only Begotten. In the literal sense, begotten refers to procreation and about the father or sire, and being the father or sire. However, the word has a much broader definition which should be kept in mind in reading the next two chapters. To bring into being, produce Webster's New World Dictionary. Various forms of beget are frequent in the Old Testament, both in the literal and the metaphorical sense. When understood prophetically, when understood prophetically of Christ the word passes far beyond the adap- adoptionist sense in the new testament the literal sense is still common but metaphorical use is greatly extended for instance in 1 corinthians chapter 4 verse 15 an evangelist may be said to have begotten his converts to new spiritual life Christ, by contrast, is the Son of God to John, but this verb is not used in the New Testament to describe God's relationship to him. Only begotten is a mistranslation of the older VSS of only or unique, probably corresponding to the Hebrew of which beloved is another New Testament translation. And that comes from Zondervan's Picture Encyclopedia of the Bible, Volume 1, page 510. The Only Begotten is a title among the many titles given to Jesus Christ was the only begotten. It is, in a spiritual sense, a misnomer because Jesus was not the only child begotten of the Father since we are all begotten sons and daughters of the Father. So this term should be considered as another title or office. To better understand the title of only begotten, another title must be comprehended in conjunction with it, that of the firstborn. The firstborn child of the Father is the eldest, Therefore, upon him rests most of the authority, jurisdiction, and responsibility. Among the Hebrews, the firstborn or eldest son often carried the position of the father or head of household. Because Jesus was referred to as the only begotten, it did not mean that he had no no brothers or sisters because he did. Rather it was a term indicating that there were no legal there were no equals. It is a designation similar to that of the firstborn, which Unger's dictionary explains in the figurative sense quote The expression firstborn stands for that which is most excellent. Thus Jesus Christ is the firstborn of every creature. Hebrews 12:23 the firstborn of the poor Isaiah 14:30 means the poorest of the poor so to be the firstborn of the poor means that you are the poorest of the poor Unger's Bible dictionary page 367 so the term begotten may have different meanings to correspond to the context in which it is used, referring to specific authority, privileges, and responsibilities. Josephus, the noted Jewish historian, described the only begotten as the most beloved, the choicest, and the eldest. In the work of creation, the translation would be more fitting as unique because of because of such a vast enterprise being more distinctive than any other. The title of Only Begotten sometimes refers to God, the Father, as he was a choice son of his Father as Christ is to him. There is no father that was not first a son, and no son without a father. There are two positive statements in the 1830 edition of the Book of Mormon indicating that the Father is and only begotten. It is interesting to compare these two passages with later editions, which were probably changed by those who supposed that it was an error. Page 92, and we're at 17%. That I know that Jesus Christ shall come, yea, the Son of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and mercy and truth. That's the 1830 edition of Alma, page 266, uh, I'm sorry, 236. So, in this, uh, in the the very first editions of the Book of Mormon, it was more correct. They just didn't understand the progression of the gods. Because our father is an only begotten of his father. It's like in Revelations chapter 1, and he hath made us... Speaking of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. When Mary went to um, the garden tomb and Jesus appeared to her, he said, Touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to my Father and to your Father and to my God and to your God. He wasn't speaking of just one person. He was speaking about Father Adam, who is our common father. And to our Elohim, which means our Jehovah. And I have gone into exhaustive detail about how Jesus Christ and Jehovah are not the same person. In fact, the last podcast, you can go back. And listen, and I lay it out very clearly, despite what the uh, what the mainstream church teaches. But the truth that was corrected in the Book of Mormon is just one of the signs of apostasy, because the Father is an only begotten of of His Father, Michael was an only begotten of Jehovah. And Jehovah is... Let me think. I think I said that wrong. Yeah, Michael is only begotten of Jehovah, and Jesus Christ is the only begotten of Michael. When you understand the progression of the gods, you understand how these things are, but when you try to conflate apostate Christianity into the beliefs of the restoration, you find yourself in the same apostasy that they were in to begin with. That's why Jesus, that's one of the reasons why Jesus said that he would have to send one mighty and strong to set the house of God in order because he knew that it would get out of order. And part of the reason it got out of order is because the church strips off a little here and a little there of the Restoration in order to be more like the apostate Christianity that we were supposed to be restored from. Because they didn't understand the deeper doctrines. So they change and they go back to the apostate doctrines that were the doctrines of men mingled with Scripture. Anyway, like I said, we're on page uh, 92 at 70%, 17%. That I know that Jesus Christ shall come, yea, the Son of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and mercy and truth. That's the 1830 edition, Alma, page 236. So here's the controversial statement. Jesus Christ is the Son of the only begotten of the Father. That is because Jesus Christ is the son of Michael. Michael was the only begotten of Jehovah. How does this work? So we're going to get into the Adam God doctrine real quick, just so that you can understand how this all works. Michael was the savior on an older earth. He atoned for the sins and the transgressions of all of us, all of us, yes, us, who were on that world. That world became a shemaim or a heavens, a celestial sphere of glass that was our pre existent state before we came here. Michael was chosen by the God of that world to be, well, the Adam of that world, to be um, an Adam for this world. And Jesus Christ, who was God, the witness of that world, was chosen to be God, the redeemer of this world. When Jehovah, not Jesus Christ, But Jehovah, our Elohim, placed uh, placed Adam in the garden. He placed him in the garden as, as a celestial being, an exalted being. Michael partook of the fruit of that garden with his wife Eve, and they went from a celestial level resurrection to they descended to a t- terrestrial and then finally to a telestial where they fell and they were able to have physical children for the spirit bodies of those who they had atone- or who Michael had atoned for in, in, in an, on another earth. See, when Jesus Christ took our sins and transgressions, we become his children and he becomes our father, even though he has a father above him. Michael had done the same thing for us on an older earth. And so we become his through the law of adoption. And he is our father, both spiritually. And because he became the Adam of this world, he becomes our father physically. And at the end of Adam's life, he and his wife went through a process of translation where they went from a celestial state to a terrestrial state and they waited in that state, that terrestrial nature until the meridian of time. When it was time for the Savior to come into the world, Michael, who is the Adam of this earth, came down. Gabriel came down as well. And Gabriel presented the father to Miriam or the mother of Jesus who is Mary. Miriam's her Hebrew name. Mary's the Englishized version of that name. But anyway, so she was impregnated as the wife of Adam that is partly why well there's so many doctrines that are spun out of this that are just like (sighs) so Michael who became Adam is sealed to his wife Hava or Eve who actually her name is Ashura. He's also sealed to Miriam, who is his wife, and he impregnated her as a terrestrial being, making Jesus Christ the son of God, or the son, the only man who was born of a terrestrial father and a celestial mother. That made him the only begotten, in a sense, because um, they have found Jesus' blood on the Ark of the Covenant, which was directly under Golgotha. So you remember how they put that spear into Jesus' side and it said blood and water flowed out onto the ground? Do you remember how there was an earthquake? The cracks in the rock and the ground from that earthquake allowed that blood to go down to to sprinkle the left or the i think it's the right side of the mercy seat on the ark of the covenant god allowed a man by the name of ron wyatt to be guided by a physical resurrected angel into that that rock uh, it's called jeremiah's grotto It's where Jeremiah the prophet took the Ark of the Covenant down to hide it from the, Babylonian, the Babylonians and, and um, Nebuchadnezzar to hide the Ark of the Covenant when the first temple was destroyed. Like, it disappeared into history. It disappeared because there was a way. Solomon, when he created the temple, he created these tunnels that could be filled in with sand just in case they had to hide the ark of the covenant and the temple furniture the anointed temple furniture and i'm talking about the utensils the furniture uh, a bunch of stuff is down there anyway so uh, ron wyatt was led into this area and he was commanded to take a sample of the blood on the mercy seat so in the old time test an old testament times they would sprinkle a sacrifice on the mercy seat on the one side but the other side was left for a future uh sacrifice and no blood was allowed to go onto that side Well, when they put that spear into Jesus' side and that earthquake happened, that water, that water carried that blood out onto the mercy seat. Which is huge, hugely significant. Though very few understand. But when Ron Wyatt took that blood and sprink, uh, that was sprinkled on the, on the mercy seat that was the blood of Yeshua or Jesus Christ, he took the samples that he had collected to a laboratory in Israel. And this is back in the 80s or 90s. Like this is fairly, uh, relatively recent that this happened. And he, he asked this laboratory full of these Jews to please uh, examine this blood that he brought in. So they reconstituted the blood and they said, what is this? This blood is still alive, which is not possible if, you're, if the blood is dried. They brought it, Ron Wyatt brought it in as, as dry blood they reconstitute the blood which means they they put a solution they put it into a solution and it reconstitute the blood and they look in the microscope to see if this blood is human and they realize the blood is still alive they broke down the the genetic um, the chromosomes of that blood and they they realized that this blood had 23 chromosomes for the mother whose, and his mother was a human, a celestial individual on the earth, a mortal human being. But something interesting happened when they went to look at the chromosomes of the father. So just so that you know, my children have 23 chromosomes from me and 23 chromosomes from my wife. That is how we are, all are. But this blood only had one chromosome for the male instead of 24. Which according to our modern understanding of things it's not possible for that blood to have life. And the Orthodox Jewish Um, uh, scientists the phlebotomists they said whose blood or where did you get this blood whose blood is this and Ron White told them where he got it from and he told them it was the blood of Yeshua which is the Hebrew name of Jesus and they tore their their shirts because they realized that the man who hung on the cross really was the son of God as he proclaimed which is one of the things that they put him to death for saying he was he was the son of God he told them straight up and they didn't believe him and they killed him over it they went to try to get the Ark of the Covenant out of Jeremiah's grotto using descendants of high priests, uh, they they figured out who should be able to carry it. Because remember, the only people who are allowed to carry it are those who are given permission by God to carry it, to even touch it. Remember what happened when somebody went to embrace to the ark from falling? That person was struck dead. The death penalty is the punishment for touching the Ark of the Covenant if you are not allowed to touch it. Ron Wyatt was given permission. He touched it. Everybody else who has tried to to touch it, to lift it up, to carry it out. Every single one of them have died. And they had to send Ron Wyatt back in with a body board where he he placed the bodies of the dead on the bodyboard and they, they pulled those bodies out of Jeremiah's grotto. But Jesus Christ, the reason why he's the only begotten of Michael, who is Adam, is because he, Michael impregnated, impregnated Mary that gave Jesus the ability to be part terrestrial part celestial which was very important for the atonement because he being the only begotten was able to take upon himself wave after wave of sin and transgression in the garden of gethsemane which physically Tore his body apart. That's why it said he bled from um, he bled from his whole body. So you know how he was able to heal other people? As wave after wave of sin came upon him and he took upon him the heavy weight of our transgressions, he was able to heal himself and continue on. And he was able to do that because of his blood, because of who he was as the only begotten of the father, our father, Michael, who is Adam. And the same thing could be said about Michael as well, because Michael was a redeemer on an older earth. And he was the only begotten of Jehovah, who was an Adam of that world. as the witness of the Father and the Son, the next earth that is spoken of in Revelations, where it talks about the new heaven and the new earth, this earth will become a fire of sand and glass, and it will become part of the shamayim, our celestial sphere. It'll be the pre-existence of that world that we are going to go to, that new earth that it will be created. And as the witness, I will become the redeemer of that world. And Jesus Christ, who has become our father spiritually, will become our father physically as he becomes the Adam of that world, along with his wife, Miriam. And Jesus Christ will impregnate a wife, a mortal wife on that earth, as a terrestrial being and I will become an only begotten of that world now there's something else that's interesting about this and that is the doctrine of polyandry because Miriam being sealed as a wife to Michael was also the wife of Joseph who took care of her on the earth. And to my knowledge, this is one of the only times that polyandry is acceptable unto God. There are other circumstances in which it is acceptable. I only know of, of that a little bit, so I don't, I'm not very well versed in that. But I do know that, um, that there is a provision for polyandry in, in the gospel. Just like there's a provision for polygamy, and people just don't understand it. And by the way, you don't just go out and live polygamy because you feel like you should. You live it when God commands you to live it. And if he has not commanded you to live it, then you don't. Polygamy is an abomination unless it is commanded by God. And that individual who, um, who lives polygamy, well, that's between them and God. But I just, I've been doing this podcast for years, years, um, 2000 and... 12 was the first time i was ever on a podcast and then i started my very first worldwide podcast in 2014 so we're coming up on 10 years and in that time i've had many young young men who are in their late teens early mid-20s and they they want to be polygamists so bad they don't even have wives to begin with. God never commanded them to, to live it, but they just have to be polygamists. And it's like, I, I just shake my head at them. Because just because you want to live it doesn't mean you should. And Brigham Young was wrong about polygamy. He said that in order to be exalted, you had to live polygamy. Nope. In order to be exalted, you have to have the ceiling of one man and one woman. Period. God allows polygamy because there are many more elect who deserve the higher blessings that they cannot achieve because there are not enough worthy, righteous men. And in order for a woman or a man to receive their higher blessings to be sealed to a man, a righteous man, God allows one righteous man to be sealed to multiple righteous women because those women have to be sealed to an elect righteous man. And there are not enough of them to go around. And I know this is a controversial topic and I hate it so much. I've done so many podcasts and teachings on this. um, And people still want to flip out about it. But let me remind you that God has shown me personally why polygamy is important. And I've talked about that in the past as well. And whether or not Joseph Smith lived it um, as a man who procreated with multiple women or whether he was just sealed to multiple women as he was sealed to multiple men, the fact of the matter is he did live it. I can be a polygamist and be sealed to multiple women and only have sex with my wife and only have children with my wife. Because it's the ceiling that is important. Now, if I am sold to multiple women, um, and those multiple women wanna have children with their husbands who are not me, who are not the elect, but they're still married to them, that is perfectly fine. So when Joseph Smith is accused of polyandry, well, he was sealed to multiple women, but they they remained with their husbands. Their husbands were not worthy of that higher blessing, and those women were worthy of it, and they were sealed in a marriage ceremony for eternity only, but they lived with their husbands. Just because Joseph Smith was sealed to men or to to women who were pregnant by their their husbands doesn't mean that Joseph Smith had sex with them I like and that's a whole topic I won't get into but it's just sad to see so many people relying upon their logic and not getting revelation for any anything and not trusting or even seeking other answers they they just see something that they think is scandalous and they go crazy about it. But there is an answer to all of these things. All right, but getting back to the uh, the reading here. I just grab a drink real quick. One of the things that I don't like about doing podcasts, even after all these years is talking this much. I don't ever talk this much. Like, I'm a truck driver. I'm alone most of the time. I do not talk. I talk a little bit to my, my coworkers, you know, and I enjoy conversation with them, but I don't talk that much there either. I don't talk to my kids that much, although I do give them many hugs. And we do talk, but not like this. And, like, my wife and I talk, but we don't talk for hours and hours and hours like I do on the podcast. So when I'm doing the podcasts, my mouth my mouth gets dry and usually by the end of the podcast, my my throat hurts cuz of talking so much. It's like when I go to church and I sing hymns, I I don't know why, but my voice box kills me after one or two hymns. Because I don't talk that much, but doing these podcasts so i talk a lot anyway uh well continuing on quote thus they become high priests for after after the order of the son of the only begotten of the father which is without beginning of days or end of years and that's the 1830 edition of elma chapter uh well page 259 so When it first came out, it wasn't in chapters and verses. It was more of a book format. But let's read that again. After the order of the Son of the only begotten of the Father. So that's after the order of Jesus, who is the only begotten of the son of the only begotten of the father, which is that beginning of days or end of years. All right, but later editions we read, and I know that I know that Jesus Christ shall come. Yea, the son, the only begotten of the father, full of grace and mercy and truth. And that's Alma chapter five, verse 48. So if you want to go look at the comparisons of these, like I said, I will be providing a link so that you can find uh, find the book to read for yourself. And you can go and read these and, and put them side by side and compare them and see what the first example would mean as comp- as compared to... The later example where it makes Jesus Christ the only begotten of the Father instead of the son of the only begotten of the Father, continuing on thus they become high priests for after after the order of the Son the only begotten of the Father who is without beginning of days or end of years alma thirteen nine what a difference in the meaning of these passages when a little word of, is left out. Originally, the scripture said that Jesus was the son of the only begotten who had, a, had to be the father. It doesn't seem to be a slip of the tongue or pen because it is mentioned twice. Undoubtedly, our father in heaven was a choice son to his father. It's the progression of the gods. This is what I've been teaching. i probably obtained the title of only begotten. In any case, it is important to understand that this term only begotten can apply to more than one individual, even at the same time. In this capacity and terminology, an only begotten becomes a creator of worlds without number. In this case, it does not apply to Jesus Christ as a creator, but rather to the Father, who was an only begotten of his Father, and through the power of this office, he becomes a creator. The day will come that Jesus will be crowned as a God or an Elohim and become an only begotten in the full sense of the word. And by the way, we're on page 93 for those of you who are reading along and we're at 25% through the reading for today. So Jesus Christ will be crowned as a God or an Elohim and become an only begotten in the full sense of the word and receive the the power to create a world. Thus, every world is created by an only begotten of his father. He is in turn, he in turn becomes a father to all the children on that created earth. So, that it's first done spiritually and then physically. When Jesus Christ pays for our sins and transgressions in the atonement in the Garden of Gethsemane and sealing it upon the cross, we become his children through the law of adoption because he paid for us with the price of his own blood. But he has a father above him and so do we. That's why he says, touch me not for i have not yet ascended to my father but going to my father and sa- uh, my brethren and saying then unto them i ascended to my father and your father that's father adam who was michael who is our common father even the father of jesus christ see he was adam was our father telestia- telestially. and then later when adam became terrestrial he was the father of Jesus Christ. That's how he's the only begotten of the son. Or, you know, it's just, I think it's just hard to understand for some people. I wish I could describe it better than that. But anyway, so another thing too, Jesus Christ was an organizer of the spirits in heaven, so he is also called a creator. In Hebrew, to create is to organize something, and not create something out of thin air, but to organize. So Jesus Christ, when he creates, his form of creation is to organize the spirits in the world he was the witness of the Father. He became the Redeemer, even though uh, he didn't redeem anybody until the meridian of time. But he held the office of Redeemer. He was a set-apart spirit under God, under his Elohim. And he organized the spirits, but he did not organize the earth. He organized the spirit world, but there's a difference between world and earth. Anyway, continuing on, he is in, in turn, he in turn becomes the father of all the children on that created earth. More frequently in our lives, the title of only begotten refers to Jesus Christ our elder brother, since he was not the only son begotten of his father, we are all the begotten sons and daughters of God, like literally we are physically the children of God, physically and spiritually and physically and spiritually. We're the children of Jesus Christ spiritually, but not physically, but we will be when he becomes an Adam of, of a new earth. This cannot be applied in a literal sense, rather in a represent represented sense. A position of honor, one that demanded respect and authority from all other children. The oldest son, if faithful, is the savior of the family. And that comes from unpublished revelations by Fred Collier, page 369. Brigham Young said that Jesus was the firstborn son and that Lucifer was the second son of our father in heaven. When the Father appointed Jesus Christ, the firstborn, to come and redeem the earth, there was contention got up, and the second brother, the second son, Lucifer, which means bearer of light and truth, by the way, the son of the morning, so he was the morning star, he wanted the honor and came and redeemed, uh, to come and redeem the earth. But Jesus was the one who was appointed. It says, "But Christ." But the fact of the matter is, is that that Lucifer was also a Christ or Messiah. Lucifer was the second, the second born of the Father. He was the second witness after the Redeemer. He was the Roach Hakodesh. He was God the Witness. I could go into great detail about how, who he was and how he became who he was and how he fell from his position of authority because God has shown it all to me. In 2013, when God came to me, and I'm talking about our father, who was Michael. That's who I'm talking. I'm not talking about Jehovah. I'm talking about Michael. He came to me and he said, Kneel down before me and ask me who you are. And I knelt down before him, our Father, and I said, Father, who am I? See, up to this point, I did not understand like my my aunt had a revelation that I was the one mighty and strong and I was like you're insane I'm not the one mighty and strong but like I had seen the father and the son face to face and embrace them in the flesh I have personally physically seen Michael who is our common father and Jesus Christ who is our redeemer I have embraced them both in the flesh. I knelt before our common father who holds all of the keys to this earth. And I I was sealed to him and I asked why he was doing this. He said, I am sealing you up into myself that you might be sealed up into eternal life. I was given the keys of the kingdom, the priesthood and the church. And I was given the fullness of the priesthood at that point, that was in 2003. I also became an eyewitness and a physical witness like someone when Jesus said handle me and see for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. Those apostles were eyewitnesses of the resurrection. They were apostles but Jesus Christ was also called an apostle but it never explains why. Jesus Christ also knelt down before his father and his father, Michael, placed his hands upon his head, and Jesus embraced him. He was an apostle or eyewitness of the Father, so he is the first witness or apostle of the Father. When I embraced the Father and the Son, I became an eyewitness of the Father and the Son, and I became an apostle of the Father and the Son which is necessary for the witness of the Father and the Son to obtain. I did not understand that. I always thought it was interesting that um, that Joseph Smith didn't have such a profound and uh, overwhelming experience like, like I had. And 10 years goes, and and God shows me all these things, but he kind of leaves me in the dark about why all this even happened to me. And in 2013, he said, ask, kneel down before me and ask me who you are. And I, I asked him, and immediately I was taken up in the spirit, out of my body. And I was shown before the rebellion in heaven. And I saw that there was a platform and on the platform there were three thrones and standing in front of each of those thrones was God our Father, God our Redeemer, and God God the witness or the, the person who you call the Holy Ghost. It was Michael, Jesus, and, and Lucifer. Lucifer thought that he had the a right and ability to... He thought he was the one who was supposed to be chosen to become the Redeemer. And it has to do with how who he was in his last mortal probation on an older earth and his interaction with Jesus in that world. He thought that he was God, the witness of that world. Jesus Christ was God, the witness of that world. Lucifer was a forerunner. He was an Elias, but he was deceived into believing and coming to believe that he was actually the second witness of the Father, even though he was meant to be the Elias of of Jesus Christ at that time. And Jesus Christ is God, the witness or the Holy Ghost at that, on that earth. So there's this contention and there's this pride, but they're both prophets. Jesus Christ is a prophet of God. Lucifer was a prophet of God. And by the way, we don't know what his real name was. Lucifer is a title. It means a bearer of light and truth. It's Latin. In the Hebrew it's Hillel Ben Shekar he is the Ruach he was anyway before his rebellion but because of his pride and his arrogance he came he basically tried to take the throne by force to become the redeemer of this world and when he was cast out along with those who tried to assist him in this endeavor he became Hasatan, or the accuser of the brethren, the Satan, and his title of Lucifer, or the bearer of light and truth, or the, the title of God the witness, was taken from him. And I saw that, that our Father and our Redeemer came down among 12 of us who were called mighty and strong, who stand in the presence of the Father and the Son. And I was chosen from among them to be the witness, to be their witness. So when Jesus, or when, when Michael says, kneel down before me and ask me who you are, I say, who am I? I am the witness of the Father and the Son. That's why I have embraced them in the flesh. Now that's a pretty odd claim to make, especially by a truck driver, right? Who owns a farm with five kids and 16 goats and 40 chickens and a ton of cats. But nevertheless, it's true. Jesus Christ had a trade and he had a family, but he was still the redeemer. And I don't know that that makes me special in particular, other than the fact that I have been told to to bear a bold witness of the Father and the Son, and also to teach the people, and that's why I do these programs. Even through all the opposition, even through losing multiple jobs because people think I'm crazy. Uh, Let me just ask you this. If you're you're my employer and you come and you find this this podcast, which I hope you don't, but say you do. (laughs) And you're like, oh my gosh, this guy is out of his mind crazy. Let me ask you this. Look at my record. I have been a truck driver for 28 years. I have never caused an accident or been involved in an accident except one. Where, one. For 28 years, over 3 million miles, I got rear-ended once by a semi-truck where a driver passed out. His truck was on cruise control. I was stopped at a red light and he hit me going 55 miles an hour. I didn't even see him coming. In 28 years, I have two speeding tickets for going five over in 1999 and in 2000. One of them was because I crossed from Michigan into Indiana and I I didn't realize the speed limit had changed. And there was a whole row of trucks. I didn't see the sign because they only put signs on the right side of the road. And if there's a whole bunch of semi-trucks driving down the road and I'm passing them, I'm not going to see the sign that is blocked by the semi-trucks. So I got a ticket for going five over in 99. In 2000, I got a ticket for going five over because I was going up and down these hills in eastern Iowa on Highway 30. And I didn't control my speed limit and I was coasting a little bit and I went five over. I think I was like six over something like that. Those are the only two tickets I've gotten. I've never gotten overweight tickets, bridge law tickets. I've never gotten tickets... Like I don't get, I'm very safe, okay. And since I've worked for the the current company I've worked I work for, I have earned every safety bonus that I have that I have qualified for, or that I was eligible for. I have a wife and kids who are very healthy, except for one. <laughs> My daughter, Lydia, is not well. I became her father when she was three years old, so I'm not her biological father. Her biological father is a narcissist and a sociopath uh, and a whole bunch of other things. He's in prison. He is cr- a criminal individual. He is a horrible evil individual and my 14 year old daughter acts just like him she's been diagnosed as a narcissist um borderline borderline personality disorder like a whole bunch of other things and she's in a treatment facility and she's not getting better And we tried for years to help her uh, doing all these different things. And she finally got so violent and out of control that we had to remove her from the household for the safety of our other kids. And for the safety of my wife, she would even come after me. Olivia, this little 14 year old girl thought that she could square up against me. The last person I fought, I got attacked by a man uh, in 2016, who had a pit bull. Um, the pit bull was uh, jumped up and had a hold of my upper arm. This man was punching me in the side of the face. After I got done punching the pit bull in the in between the eyes, the pit bull finally let go. I beat this man so severely that he couldn't get up. Now, when I was homeless, I learned that if I was attacked, I had to fight tooth and nail, and I had to break bones, and I had to do whatever it was to get away, because if I let them... And I was a, when I was in high school, I was a wrestler, so I have an advantage... And I'm, you know, I'm almost oh, 5'11", 245 to 250 pounds. Not all of that is fat. I'm pretty, pretty strong. <laughs> but anyway, so, um, so this guy attacks me and I learned a long time ago that if I am in a fight and I've been in many, many fights throughout the years. That I have to make it so that they can't get up. Because when I was nice before and I would pin people and I'd be like, Are you gonna stop? Are you gonna calm down? Like, and they're possessed by demons. Like they these people they they hate me for no reason. They don't know why they hate me, and they just want to physically hurt me, and I'm not gonna put up with it. So I, I beat this man so severely and stomped him. They had to take him in an ambulance to the hospital. And I would have been arrested except for the fact that uh, the other truck drivers saw what happened. They didn't assist me, but they saw what And this is be well, in 2016... I guess it could have been recorded. I don't know. Well, somebody could have recorded it on their phones. But um, but I beat this man so severely that he had to be taken away in an ambulance. And luckily, I wasn't arrested for defending myself because there were witnesses who saw what happened. That I was unprovoked... Or I I was attacked... How do you use the word? I, I unprovoked... I did not provoke him to doing what he did. But my point is that like, and he's not the only one. Like when I was first married, this man attacked me in a movie theater. And I I stopped, I like, after I got out of the stranglehold that he had me in, and he was trying to punch, or he was punching me. After I got out of all of that, I, Broke his pelvis with my flip flop in my foot. <laughs> so this 14 year old daughter of mine thinks that she can square up against me, and uh, the last, like she she hard shoved my three year old boy because he brushed up against her because. She was sitting next to my wife and my three-year-old wanted to go over and sit on mom's lap. That was the breaking point for us. And I was very upset about that and I was kind of yelling, you know, and it was my my youngest daughter's birthday and we were at a restaurant And it was kind of interesting because there was four sheriffs sitting there at the table next to us. They did not get up and do anything. They let me handle things. But anyway, so I'm, like, getting to the point where I'm, like, getting very angry because this this 14-year-old daughter of mine is, is doing what she's doing. And she follows me out into the parking lot and she says, what, a grown man can't hit a little girl? Like, she is out of her... So anyway, she hasn't been in the house since January. And they actually had to put her in um, solitary confinement last week for for like four days because of how violent she's getting even on medication. And it's sad because... uh, she was like 18 months old when she left the abuse that her biological father did and she's turning into him I, it's genetics I guess I don't understand it but like so here's my point other than that hardship like I have done I, I live a relatively normal life I try to be the best employee that I can be. I serve the people I work with. I do, I actually go above and beyond and and the, the, um, the dispatcher knows it. You know, my supervisors understand it. And when I was an oil field worker before, they actually fired me, but they wouldn't give me a reason but they fire, they didn't lay me off, they fired me. I had the opportunity to hold a counsel to plead my case, why I shouldn't be fired. And both of my supervisors, both of them, they both said, and I remember their names, Terry Merrill and Daniel Allred. They both said that I was the best worker that they had but they let me go anyway and this is back in 2008 to 2010 so that was in 2010 and there was no reason for it there were the the supervisor over my um over my my direct supervisors he hated my guts his name was Will Will Allred I think or Will something I can't remember He hated me for no reason. The head mechanic at the Glen Bend shop, the first time she ever met me, she hated me for no reason. Even though I was the best employee that they had in South Oray, I was chosen out of all of the other employees to be oil field emergency management they put me through college courses so that I could be qualified to do the job that they asked me to do which is more difficult than than any of the other jobs and I had to have the greatest training. I went through college courses, I was trained as a first aid medic, a first class medic. But certain individuals hate me with a demonic passion, and I was let go. And now that I proclaim the things that I proclaim, well, there's even more problems for me. Anyway, I know this isn't a podcast specifically about me, but that's probably why people don't, like so many people like don't regularly listen to this. But other people, they actually appreciate me going into these little... Things I go into. So, anyway, kidding back to the reading. We're actually at 31%. But, but Jesus was the appointed one. It was right by point It was his right by appointment and birthright. And that comes from the Wilford Woodruff journals, volume four, page 45 and 46. As the eldest brother, he acts in place of the Father when the Father is not present. When Jesus is called the only begotten, it is when he is functioning in the position and office of trust. Both our Father and Jesus have instructed all men to pray unto the Father because we are his children. Jesus said, pray after this manner, our father in heaven. Yet, whether the father introduced Jesus, whenever the father introduced Jesus, he called him his, only begotten. The entire human race was begotten of the father, and that's why we call him our father in heaven. So we're on page 94 at 34%. Then what difference is there between Jesus Christ and the rest of mankind? Brigham Young again explains, quote, The apostles and prophets, when speaking of our relationship to God, say that we are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. God is our father and Jesus Christ is our elder brother. And that comes from the discourses of Brigham Young, page 25. When the time came that his firstborn, the Savior, should come into the world and take a body or a tabernacle, the Father came himself, that's Father Adam, who is Michael, Father Michael Adam, the Father came himself and favored that spirit, meaning the spirit of Jesus Christ, with a tabernacle or, or body instead of letting any other man do it. The Savior was begotten by the Father and his Spirit by the same being who is the Father of our spirits. And that is all the organic difference between Jesus Christ and you and me. And that comes from the uh, the discourses of Brigham Young, page 50 as well. Now, Brigham Young did not completely understand these things. He was taught by Joseph Smith in the School of the Prophets and in other private places and he revealed those things as he understood them. But I, uh, I do not accept Brigham Young as being a prophet, seer, or revelator. I do not accept him as being the Lord's anointed, and I've talked about why. Uh, just to go a brief summary or a summation. Jesus Christ said that the church would be rejected in Nauvoo if they were not obedient to his commandments, and they weren't, and they were rejected. If you want to know why I go into detail in other podcasts, you can go back and and search those podcasts. Or you can ask me personally if you know how to get a hold of me by Jesus Christ said that the church would be rejected with their dead if they were not obedient, and they were not obedient, and they were rejected as a church with their dead. So I do not accept any authority claims that come out of Nauvoo, whether it's through Brigham or James Strang, or Sidney Rigdon, or any of them. Lyman White, it doesn't matter. Jesus Christ said, all they who hinder this work will be cursed to the third and fourth generation. That would have been between 120 to 160 years. At the end of the 160 year time of rejection, that's when I knelt before the Father and he placed his hands upon my head thus commencing the time of the work of the father spoken of in third nephi chapter 21 that's what we're in right now joseph smith came to lay the foundation and prepare a path for the redemption of zion he was the elias of the witness and i am the witness I'm also the one who is called mighty and strong who will set the house of God in order. And part of the reason why that is, isn't because I teach all these wonderful things. My teaching has no authority to set the house of God in order in and of itself. When the father laid his hands upon my head, he gave me the authority, the sealing power, and the keys of the kingdom the priesthood, and the church. I am the one man on the earth who holds the authority that Joseph Smith holds, held. I am the witness of the Father and the Son. And because of that authority, I have the ability to set the house of God in order. Through the sealing ordinances and through the other ordinances which are required for salvation and exaltation. Like all these groups that run around, they think they're going to set the house of God in order because they're doing all the right things. They lack one thing. They lack the sealing authority. When I was sealed to the Father, when I was sealed directly to our Father, I was made the link on the earth between men, children on the on the earth, to God and all that He is sealed to in the heavens. Thus, turning the hearts of the the children to the fathers, and the hearts of the uh, turning the hearts of the fathers to the children. That's through the sealing ordinance that um, that that happens. Anyway, let me just read to the next page, and then I've got to take a break because my wife and daughters are all waking up now at 6.30 a.m., and they are going to come downstairs and make a whole bunch of noise, and I'm only at 38%, so. Father Adam's oldest son, Jesus the Savior, who is the heir of the family, is Father Adam's first begotten in the spirit world who according to the flesh is the only begotten as it is written. Teachings of of Brigham Young, page 118. We often call the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, as though he were the originator of it. But how can this be when the gospel is as old as the eternities and has been accepted and implemented by all the gods or all of the Elohim? But the firstborn of the Father, or the only begotten, presented that plan in our pre-existent state, just the same as had been done for other worlds, and He offered to be the Redeemer according to the requirements of that gospel. Then the devil came forth and presented His plan or gospel, and and the the thing is, Lucifer wasn't the devil until he fell. <laughs> Like, there's this, the, the logic of man trying to understand these things leads to false doctrine. You have to be a prophet to understand these things, or you have to have heard it from a prophet to, to consider it, to present it to the Father to receive revelation and confirmation of the Holy Spirit so that you can know these things as well. But we'll read what Ogden wrote. So Ogden doesn't understand these things quite uh, quite rightly either. But anyway, then the devil came forth and presented his plan or gospel, claiming that he would save everyone, just as every devil had done for other worlds. And these two plans will continue to be presented in other worlds in the future. See, I already know who the next Lucifer is going to be. And and I already know that he will fall and become Hasatan because of his pride and his arrogance. See, there was a man who was chosen to be my Elias. So Joseph Smith came to prepare the way to lay the foundation of Zion. I come to build it up, but I have an Elias before I come physically on the earth. And that man who came physically on the earth... Over time, he began to believe that he was the second witness of the Father, not an Elias. And he began to change the revelations that he was given. And then God commanded him to pray uh, to, for his followers to pray in his name, in the name of this individual who is mighty and strong. And he was, but he fell. When I came along, he received revelation for me, but when he learned that I have physically embraced the Father and the Son and not just seen them in the flesh, he realized that I had more authority and claim to the title of the second witness than he did. And because of his pride and his arrogance, he... Became very upset, and he actually excommunicated me from from all of the ordinances, he thought, from his church that I had never joined. And, uh, and God gave, like, a sign to people who were following him that they needed to stop following him because he started telling people to pray in his own name, the name of Art Bola, the one mighty and strong. Because of his pride and his arrogance, he fell, but he has held up all of the other commandments. He has lived everything that he has been commanded, and he will be chosen to be God the witness. And when I'm chosen to be the redeemer, because of his pride and his arrogance, he will rebel. So this is how God chooses saints. They are prophets. Who become prideful and fallen. And because of their arrogance and their pride, they think that they have the authority to be to be something that they're not. And then when when the one who comes along, who is the witness, um, when he's chosen to be the redeemer, then they think that they should have been the redeemer. It's because of their pride and their arrogance that they rebel. That's how Lucifer's become Satan's. And then God chooses one from among they who are mighty and strong to take the place of the Lucifer who fell and became a Satan. This is why Lucifer was a God. He still holds the status of the God of this world. But he is fallen. He has fallen. He's a fallen prophet. He is a fallen God and he will be destroyed. And that when that new heaven and that new earth are created and there is a Lucifer who falls and becomes the Satan of that world, he will be a fallen prophet and a fallen God and he will be destroyed. When the Earth cycle is over, they choose themselves to hold that role in that position, in the office of Hasatan or Satan, the Satan. Anyway, I need to pause here. We're on page ninety-five, and we're at forty-three percent, but I gotta pause because. Um, my wife and kids are getting up and getting ready for school. And there's going to be a lot of noise for about 30 minutes until they leave and go to and go to, to school. And my wife goes to school too because she's a teacher. <laughs> anyway, so I will be back, but, uh, it'll be two seconds for you. It'll be a little, a little while for me. So, all right. Okay, so I'm back. We're on page 95. So the devil coveted and eagerly sought to achieve this honored title of only begotten, not just in the pre-existence, but he's still trying to assume that position. Quote, And now when Moses had said these, these words, Satan cried with a loud voice, and rent upon the earth, and commanded, saying, I am the only begotten, worship me. Moses chapter 1, verse 19. Why did he want to be called the only begotten if he did not have more meaning than just a numerical position of birth? It was because the term represented an an acting position of God the Father, And Satan wanted that position so he could be worshipped as God. So remember, Satan wanted to have all of the honor and not give it to the Father. Anyway, continuing on. Here then is the meaning of the only begotten. It is a title and a position so high that it was nearly identical to that of God. The difference between earths and worlds... In order to comprehend the role of an only begotten as a creator, it is important to clarify the difference between an earth and a world. This helps in understanding such confusing scriptures as, And worlds without number have I created, and I also created them for mine own purposes, and by the Son I created them, which is mine only begotten. And that's Moses chapter 1, verse 33. At first God said, I created them, and then by the Son I created them. And remember, create means to organize, not, it just means to organize. Organize an earth, organize the spirits that come to an earth. Those are both positions of organizers or creators. It is plain to see that both the Father and the Son have assumed the title of Creator, but exactly what did each create? To understand the role of the Only Begotten in the creation, it is necessary to recall the meaning of to create worlds. The prophet Joseph Smith said the word create should be formed, should be either formed or organized. That's what the translation should be. Whenever you see somebody create something, it's either to form or to organize. So when I'm thinking of form, I'm, I'm thinking of forming a clay pot from the mold of the clay. That is that is what it means to form or to organize. And we're on page 96 for those of you who are reading along and we're at 51%. Anyway, um... Joseph Smith said that in Teachings of the Prophet Joseph uh, Joseph Smith, page 181. The word create should be formed or organized. Anyway, then follows the key. The word worlds can have two meanings. One is the world of organized physical matter. The other is a world of people. An example of this is when the disciples of Jesus came to him and asked, quote, What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. They did not mean the destruction of the physical wor- world or the earth. They meant the end of the human society. So the end of the world, like this earth doesn't get destroyed the wickedness and the evil that exists on the earth, yet, uh, is removed. But the earth is still here. This earth will go through a telestial earth, that's what we're in now. It will become a terrestrial earth during the millennium. And it will become a celestialized earth, or a fire of sea and glass, a great Urim and Thummim. And that is the destiny of this earth, but it isn't destroyed. So when when they talk about the end of the world, they're talking about the end of of the society of this world, which is a fallen society. When this earth is cleansed of the fallen transgressions that have existed since the time... That Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden um all the way up until the second coming of of the father and also of the son because remember the father lived on this earth as an Adam and he will return Adam and on diamond, and Jesus Christ will retor- return after that uh, well at the same time um And then this earth will go into a terrestrial state, which is not part of a fallen world. Anyway, the prophet Joseph Smith defines world in this way, too, by interpreting the parable of the wheat and the tares and the end of the world. Quote, But he, knowing all things, says not so, as much to say your views are not correct. The church in its infancy... The the church is in its infancy, and if you take this rash step, you will destroy the wheat or the church with the tares. Therefore, it is better to let them grow together until the harvest. So he's talking about the wickedness within the church and how there will be wheat that grow up with the tares within the church itself. That's why there has to be a setting, in order and a cleansing of not just the world, but the church first. Anyway, therefore, it is better to let them grow together until the harvest or the end of the world, which means the destruction of the wicked. So the end of the world means the destruction of the wicked. That's in teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 98. And again, quote, now men cannot have any possible grounds to say that this is figurative or that does not mean what it says. For he is now explaining what he had previously spoken in parables, and according to this language, the end of the world is the destruction of the wicked. The harvest and the end of the world have an allusion directly to the human family in the last days instead of the earth, as many have imagined. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 100 and 101. In the teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, there are 30 references to the world, meaning mankind, and only two where the world referred to the earth. The world is consistently spoken of in connection with mankind rather than the physical earth. Therefore, it seems that the scriptures should be interpreted in this light as well. Page 97 at 61%. Another example from the scriptures comes from the writings of John, Quote, For God, meaning God our Father, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him that the world through him might be saved. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. The world here refers to mankind, not physically, not the physical land and elements of the earth. Certainly, the earth is not going to believe in the only begotten and be saved, but the world or mankind will do the believing. The only begotten Son is the one who organized mankind before they came to an earth. So when it says that Jesus Christ created, I mean that he organized the spirits in heaven before he came to this earth. And it is the only begotten or firstborn son of every earth without number that is the organizer of the children pertaining to it. So Jesus Christ is not the only one who has held the position of God the the Redeemer. That is actually a a title that has been held by many. It's the same thing like we have the president of the United States, but there are different men who hold that position. But it's still the same office. It's the same thing with God the creator, which is the father. God the redeemer, which is the son. And God the witness, which is the, the testator. Um, those positions or titles are held on every earth, but they're held by different individuals. Anyway, um, every earth without number, that is the organizer of all the children pertaining to it. So they might have redemption and be saved. The only begotten son does not necessarily mean Jesus Christ, like I said. Jehovah was an only begotten to his father. Michael was an only begotten to Jehovah. Jesus is an only begotten to Michael, and I will be an only begotten to Jesus when the new earth is created. That's the position and role that is held by individuals from world to world. And when Jesus, um, he was the witness... He became the Redeemer, and he has become the Father spiritually, but when he becomes an Adam, he will be both the Father spiritually and physically. All right, the only begotten Son does not necessarily mean Jesus Christ. It can apply to Jesus as the only begotten in the flesh by the Father or in the figurative or illustrative sense it can apply to numerous sons as every world has an only begotten who is its creator. Creator in the fact that he organized the spirits. That same world will have a chosen son who is the only begotten in the flesh. Another viable interpretation of the only begotten is a reveal is revealed in the Pearl of Great Price, where we learn about. Uh, more about this office by which worlds without number are created. And remember, they're created by the office, not by the individual. Anyway, Moses gives this account, quote, And in that day the Holy Ghost fell upon Adam, which beareth record of the Father and the Son, saying, I am the only begotten of the Father from the beginning and henceforth and forever that Is uh, that as thou has fallen Thou mayest be redeemed Redeemed in all mankind Even as many as well Moses chapter 5 verse 9 Now remember That in the beginning Of the history of this earth Adam Organizes the world He names all the animals All the plants he, he creates this earth under the direction of Yehovah our Elohim. And we find that out in the temple endowment for those that have eyes to see and ears to hear. But at that time, Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, was a Ruach HaKodesh or a set-apart one, a Holy Ghost or a Holy Spirit. And in that day, the Holy Ghost fell upon Adam, which beareth record of the Father and the Son, saying, I am the only begotten of the Father from the beginning, henceforth and forever. See, I don't think I didn't understands this. Jesus Christ was chosen to be the only begotten but all the way up until he actually physically becomes the redeemer he is a, he is a holy par, a holy ghost remember when he appears to the to the brother of jared and he says this is my spirit body this is what I'll look like when I come in the flesh so jesus christ holds that role and held that role even though he was chosen to be the redeemer for this earth all the way up until the point when he took a body, he was one of God's holy witnesses, the Holy Ghost. I was also chosen to be a witness, uh, and I have remained in the spirit all the way up until this very end time. But I'm not the only begone. I was not foreordained to be the only begotten of this earth, and I would not have claimed to be the only begotten to Adam. But Jesus was foreordained to be the only begotten of this earth, and he had that position and role of authority, and he was the Holy Ghost or a Holy Ghost at that time. These things get very confused and confusing, especially when you've been taught false doctrine all your life. It's hard to see past the, the limits of, of the false doctrines that you've been taught to understand and have a clear vision of what actually is going on. So, and Jesus Christ, as the Holy Ghost, bear witness of our Father, And the son, um, and I wonder if he was bearing witness of Jehovah our Elohim, who is our Father before Adam was. It's just interesting uh, to think about these things. Anyway, we're on page ninety-eight at seventy percent. Here, the Holy Ghost is claiming that office and by which by which worlds are created. Parley P. Pratt stated that this Holy that this Holy Spirit is the agent or executive by which God organizes and puts in motion all worlds, and that's in Kita Theology, page 46. And I really like Parley P. Pratt. Um, he had a very deep mind. He understood things from a, uh, in a greater way than most people do. Um, but he was one of the 12, but I wouldn't consider him a prophet seer and revelator either. He is taking what he has been taught by Joseph Smith. And he is trying to, to teach that to other people. So, and remember what we're told. Do not trust in the flesh. Cursed are all they who trust in the flesh or putteth their trust in, the, in a friend. Yeah, we've got to take what we hear, and we've got to try to understand these things by revelation. It, it is written, if you lack wisdom, ask God, and he will give it to you, right? Thus the Father may order the creation of worlds. His choice Son may help to organize them. But it is the Holy Ghost that is the power and the force that pulls them together. The Holy Ghost, in that instance, would be the only begotten of the Father. Now we have seen how Jesus became an only begotten. The Holy Ghost is an only begotten, and the Father himself was an only begotten. And all mankind are begotten of the Father. Thus, the term only begotten is obviously referring to a particular position not just the name of one individual. And I would just disagree with Ogden's understanding here. To be an only begotten means that you are created part terrestrial, part celestial, so that you can redeem an earth. You have to be terrestrial. In order to conquer death and to kill yourself as all of the sins of the world come upon you. But you also have to be telestial in order to die a mortal death and seal that blood upon upon the cross. I have not done that, but I will in a future life. On, on a new earth. I am not part terrestrial and part celestial. There's no reason for me to be. I am fully terrestrial. I have a father on this earth, and I have a mother on this earth. I am not an only begotten. The Holy Ghost is not an only begotten. Joseph Smith... Understood that Jesus Christ was an only begotten he was foreordained to be that and claimed the role and title of only begotten and when he came to Adam as a holy ghost he could say that he is the only begotten of the Father and he is and Adam in his state would not completely understand that. I, I don't think he would. He would understand that later, though. He, the veil was on his mind at that point. Anyway, Jesus was the only begotten in the flesh, but, the, but not the only begotten son. And like I said before, um, Michael was an only begotten on, his, on an older earth because he was a redeemer of that world. Jehovah, who is called our Elohim, which is a position and title of authority, not a name of a person, he was a redeemer on an older earth than that. And he was an only begotten and holds the position and title of the only begotten of his father. Just like Michael retains the position of the only begotten of Jehovah, just like Jesus Christ retains the position of the only begotten of Michael, just like I will, in the next earth, retain the position of the only begotten of Jesus. But I am not an only begotten yet. He is a special and chosen son who gained the right and privilege of that title. Every world or populated earth must have its own savior, or only begotten to be redeemed. Jesus, um, I'm sorry, Brigham Young said, the oldest son has always had the privilege of being ordained, appointed, and called to the heir, to be the heir of the family, if he does not rebel against the father, and he is the, and he is the savior of the family. Every world that has been created has been created upon the same principle. Teachings of Brigham Young, volume 3, page 353. See, he understood, Brigham Young understood these things because they learned them from Joseph Smith. Remember how Joseph Smith was like, I can't tell you who I am because there's, there's men on this stand who will murder me if I tell you who I am and what I know. And then he also talked about the, the saints, shatter like glass every time I bring up a new principle for them to understand like he wanted to teach these things to the people but he couldn't teach them because the people were not ready for them now you'd better be ready for them at this point like the remnant has to understand these things that's why I'm teaching them in order for Zion to be redeemed the remnant has to understand these things so, this podcast isn't necessarily for the whole world, even though it is worldwide. It isn't necessarily for the members of the church, although there are members within the church who need to understand these things. There are those of you who have been foreordained to be part of Zion's redemption and the remnant, but just because you've been foreordained to that that position... Doesn't mean that you're going to make it. It, it. There's still free agency involved here. But those who are ready to hear, hopefully they hear these podcasts, and then they they uh, they're being prepared to be part of you know of this knowledge, part of. Part of setting in order the house of God besides the sealing authority is the knowledge. Because you cannot be damned in ignorance. You have to go forward in knowledge. And then, as we live all that God has commanded, that is when Zion is redeemed on the earth and we look up and Zion comes down out of heaven with the church of the firstborn. And that is the goal because Zion has to have an Adam and diamond. And Jesus Christ cannot return until that happens. So just as Joseph Smith was sent to lay the foundation for Zion's redemption, I have been sent to build up to the capstone. And from Moses, and mine only begotten is and shall be the Savior, for he is full of grace and truth, but there is no God beside me, or no Elohim beside me. See, these translations, it's hard because we've taken the word God, which is a of pagan origin, and we make them into something that they were not. When we should have taken the correct understanding of Elohim, to understand the scriptures. There are no Elohim beside Jehovah. For this earth, that is true. He is over the presidency of this earth, and the presidency of this earth is Michael, Jesus, and myself. But Jehovah is our Elohim, and there are none that stand beside him for this earth. So the oldest son is selected and ordained to receive the title and heirship of the family as such he is an only begotten or chosen son. Page 90, we're at 79%. When the Lord speaks of worlds, he usually means the earths with mankind upon them. Worlds without number have I created, he says, meaning earths filled with his children. He can be implying here that he organized physical earths and put his children upon them. And then by the, on- the Son or the only begotten, I created them or organized the children pertaining to that earth. The eldest son organizes them by means of the gospel plan. And, and well, that's another word I don't like, Lord. Because it doesn't tell you who it's talking about. It's uh, it's confusion, and it should be it should not. Be. So they replaced um, the Tetragrammaton or Jehovah R. Elohim with the word Lord, Lord God. <clears throat> and it's just confusion. It's it's why the church is in apostasy. It was inspired by Satan. So that there would be confusion who who or who is who and it's just confusion. Anyway, in this way then both the father and son rightfully bear the titles of Only Begotten and Creator. They both took part in the work of creating, each performing a certain work in the creation that the other did not do. So and I assisted in the work of organizing the spirits under the direction of Yehovah, uh, of Jesus or Yeshua. Hopefully this chapter has shed further light on the distant role of each. Worlds without number. From all these above statements, it is easy to see how confusion can result and false premise can render false conclusion. And so... <clears throat> There's been a lot of times when I've explained things in detail and people come back and they're like, so what you're saying is, and then I have to like say, no, that's not what I was saying. Like what I was saying, all I have to explain it again, because we all misinterpret things. That's why it's good to ask questions. I know that there are going to be people who hear this podcast and they're going to misunderstand what I am saying based on what they already believe. Because we we learn new things based on the things that we think we know. That's why apostasy is so bad. That's why we've slipped back into apostasy, because the world has taught things a certain way. God restored it in the restoration, and then people who have been taught a certain way come into the church and then they want to see things by the light of their own understanding rather than the the light of revelation so anyway for instance Bruce R. McConkie who was a leader in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who passed away back in the 80s wrote as far as man is concerned all things center in Christ he is the firstborn of the Father that's true by obedience and devotion to the truth, he attained the pin, that pinnacle of intelligence which ranked him as a god, as the Lord, omnipotent, while yet in his preexistent state. As such, he became under the Father, the creator of this earth and of worlds without number. See, this is the infinite atonement idea that was uh, that was uh, presented by Talmadge, which is another false doctrine. And he was then chosen to work out our infinite and, et- infinite and eternal atonement to come to this particular earth as the literal Son of the Father and to put the whole plan of salvation, redemption, and exaltation in operation. So what the, the leaders of the LDS Church, ever since the 1880s, going into the 1890s, and then very, very solidifying that doctrine was, um, in the 1920s because of James E. Talmadge who was also an apostle and leader of the LDS Church they believe that Jesus Christ redeemed this earth and all earths in the universe as an infinite atonement so all worlds before this for eons and eons of time have never been redeemed until this earth was redeemed and that's false doctrine every earth has a redeemer and every earth has a father and every earth has an Adam, and every earth has a holy ghost these are titles and positions of authority they do not like they are not just one person multiple people have held these positions of authority it's part of the progression of the gods <clears throat> but, bring, but but Boussard McConkie, in the apostate state in which he found himself, did not understand the truth. They, through their logic and the rejection of the truth, create these doctrines of men mingled with scripture. Anyway, continuing on. From this, it appears then that all these worlds without number had no savior or redeemer until Jesus was then chosen to work out the infinite and eternal atonement to come to this particular earth. We're on page 100, by the way, if you're reading along at 89%. However, this is not what Brigham Young taught when he said every earth has its redeemer and every earth has its tempter. See, Brigham Young had a better understanding because Brigham Young even though he lived in a time of, of the rejected church, this apostasy had not leached in that later took itself um, in the doctrines of James Talmage, and then and then through that through Busa McConkie into the modern leaders. This is part of the reason why, like I said, Jesus Christ says in section 85 that he will have to send one mighty and who is mighty and strong, not the one mighty and strong, but a one mighty and strong. Remember, there are multiple. To set the house of God in order because he knew that it would get out of order, which it has, and this is some evidence to the fact that Jesus Christ was not lying when when he said that, that it would have to be set back in order. Anyway, Brigham Young said that in Journal of Disc- Discourses, volume 14. So, how could it be that Jesus had anything to do with creating or redeeming worlds without number? We know that whether the Son has done whatever the Son has done and is doing is under the direction and the will and the power of the Father. But when Jesus has been appointed to do certain works, he is also assisted by others. Acting as our elder brother, Jesus created or organized councils, a church, and dispensations, and leaders of the priesthood. He is the only begotten. He was really, or he, he as the only begotten, was really organizing mankind to prepare them. For their turn on the earth, and to receive the gospel and be saved by his atonement. He declared, As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. John chapter 17, verse 18. But it was the Father who created us all, as God told Moses, and I, God, Or I, Jehovah, created man in mine own image, in the image of mine only begotten, created I him. Now, who's the only begotten of Jehovah? It's Michael, who became Adam. And I, Jehovah, created man in mine own image, in the image of mine only begotten, Michael, who is Adam, created I him. Male and female created I them, Moses chapter 2, verse 27. These terms or titles are ancient des- descriptions with, their, with very important meanings. They are illustration illustrations to teach that a father is a son and a son becomes a father. It is a doctrine of Mormonism that God himself was once... As we are now. And we're not talking about God the eternal. Jehovah our Elohim. Was once a man on an earth. Just a mortal man. Before he was a prophet. He was a man. He became a prophet. In subsequent worlds. He became. A prophet. He was chosen to be one of they. Who are mighty and strong. On prior worlds, so was Michael, so was Jesus, so was I. He was chosen to be God the witness of a world, he fulfilled that position of authority with excellency. He became a redeemer on another earth, and he fulfilled that position. He became an Adam on a newer on another earth. And he was chosen, and that was just the last world. Jehovah was the Adam of our last world. Michael was the Redeemer. Jesus Christ was God the witness. Jehovah became an Elohim. He is part of the council of the Elohim. Michael is not. At the end of this earth, Michael will become an Elohim. And Jesus Christ will become an Adam. That's why he's called the second Adam. But he will become the first. When Jesus Christ is finished with the next earth, he will become an Elohim just like Michael will become an Elohim when he finishes this earth it is a doctrine of Mormonism that God himself was once as we are now and is an exalted man and sits enthroned in yonder heavens that is the great secret teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith page 345 god was once a man and as a son he proved himself worthy to become a father in those eternal worlds there never was a father without a son or a son without a father there are countless only begotten firstborn sons and by them were worlds without number created in summary then it is It seems reasonable to assume that God the Father organized the earth and the tangible elements therein and created the spirits to populate the earth. And he didn't create the spirits. That's another thing that drives me nuts. Like, According to what God showed me back in the early 2000s, that the spirits are born when the intelligence becomes self-aware that the intelligence is both feminine and masculine and when it becomes self-aware, the feminine and the masculine separate and you have a male and a female spirit and there's a birth to the spirit. That's how they are born. Our father or the gods do not create the spirits. The intelligence is eternal. It cannot be uh, created or destroyed. So, anyway, let me just finish this. My four-year-old son is trying to climb on my lap. Arius, you need to stop. Uh-huh. I need to finish. I know I need to finish this, and then I will be done, okay? Dad, what? I, want some of I will get that for you in a minute, okay? He just woke up. And we're almost done. We're at 98%. The earth and tangible elements therein, it and created the spirits to populate this earth, meaning he basically organized them, then Jesus Christ, acting in the role and position of the only begotten, created or organized that world or the population that inhabit this earth, meaning he organized the spirits and the spirit world before they came here. So the next chapter will be chapter 10 on page 101. And we're going to be talking about the begotten sons and daughters of God. So, <coughs> excuse me. All right. Well, you know, I put this one off because they wanted to do, do a video, but I've been so busy that I haven't been able to do it. And then oh, I just, I don't like doing the videos. I, I know that people like it when I do them. And I've been holding off because I wanted to do them. But I was like, you know what? It's been long enough. I need, I need to just do the podcasts. And people who are listening anyway, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't know why you people want me to do videos. Because, I mean, this is the way I look at it. Like, I'm not going to do a PowerPoint presentation because I don't even know how. And that would just add more complexities that I'm already like, oh, I don't want to do this. But like... Like, when I do a video, all you're doing is looking at me reading. Th- the important information is conveyed through the voice, not through the eyes. And it's nice when I can do the videos, but like the podcast should be sufficient. So anyway, um, I mean, that's just my own opinion. But um, I think that that, I think that opinion's valid, I think. (laughs) Um, Also, this is my, um, I'm still recovering from my days of work. So for those of you who don't know, I am an oil-filled truck driver. I haul crude oil from the pumps that are right out of the ground it goes into these tanks and i pull all of the oil into my tank that is mobile behind my semi-truck and i drive from the uinta basin which is at an elevation of five or six thousand feet over indian pass which goes up to nine thousand one hundred fourteen feet and then down to Wellington Utah which is at an elevation of 5 or 6 thousand feet somewhere in there and I do that I try to do that twice a day and I'm very successful most of the time (laughs) Um, my last day I was only able to do one because they didn't have enough oil for me to get to which is fine because at the end of my four days I work 70 or not 70 hold on all right, I, I paused it because I had to cough pretty bad. Anyway, um, I work 14-hour days. And I drive like 370, 380 miles a day. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I, uh, I do a lot of physical work. And uh, I'm 46 years old, which isn't that old, but when you've lived the life that I've lived and your body has been beaten down a lot, um, sometimes it's harder to do things. And by the time I'm done with my four days on, I am so exhausted. In fact, yesterday, after I cleaned out my truck, I only made it about 10 miles and I had to pull over into a parking lot area off the side of the road, uh, like a commuter parking lot area, and just rest my eyes for a little bit. I couldn't I couldn't drive anymore, I was so tired. And then I, I got home and I took a shower, which is the first time I was able to shower in four days. And, um, And then I slept most of the day all the way till like 4 p.m. So, um, and then I was up with my wife and kids for a little bit until they went to bed and I went to bed with them and I slept all the way till 4.30 this morning. So today I have a doctor's appointment, but I'm still tired and I'm still trying to recover. Um, but... I'm not so tired that I can't read. Like if I tried to do this yesterday I would have been falling asleep doing it. So anyway, but that's uh, that's the end of the podcast. I just I want to thank everyone for uh, excuse me listening and um, for sharing this with others and uh, if you want to get a hold of me you can follow me on uh, Facebook and um, search for Mark Tyson Trent or the Church of the Living Messiah or Messiah Ben Joseph um, or Zion's Redemption Radio Network Uh, that's a good way to find me on Facebook those are pages that I run and uh, I can receive messages on those pages so All right. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. Take care. God bless. And goodbye.